Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Mariana Castells. I'm uh, the director of uh, the Mastocytosis Center here at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. I'm delighted to be here with you. And uh, this is going to be a conversation with uh, uh, our associate director, uh, Dr. Uh, Gianetti. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Matt Gianetti. I'm the associate director of the Mastocytosis Center. And I'm here with Dr. Castells uh, to talk a little bit about indolent systemic mastocytosis and the therapy of this. It's my pleasure to be here. So I will start with uh, indicating that uh, an early diagnosis is critical to all patients with mastocytosis. As we have described in our previous uh, presentations, patients can present with symptoms of flushing, of itching, of gastrointestinal pain, of diarrhea for many years, up to 55 years in some studies without a clear diagnosis. And having a triptase level, having a KID-D816B mutation is critical to those patients for an early diagnosis and potentially for management and treatment options that will increase the quality of life. So we recommend that uh, all the providers that have patients who present with more than one organ system, with multi-organ system symptoms that are compatible with mast cell activation, we providing them with a triptase level, potentially kid mutation, and if those are positive, going directly to a bone marrow or a tissue biopsy, such as a cutaneous biopsy, to be able to provide a, a diagnosis and to advance the treatment of those patients. Uh, yeah, um, so fantastic. I would like to transition a little bit and talk a bit about the therapy um, for for mastocytosis. So obviously, diagnosis is kind of the first uh, the first point. You need to have an accurate diagnosis before moving forward. Um, with indolent systemic mastocytosis, or more specifically, the non-advanced variants, I think of therapy conceptually as follows. So kind of two major areas of, of treatment. One would be anti-mediator therapy. So this is the classic therapy that we've used for many, many years involving antihistamines, oral chromalin, omalizumab, certain drugs that block mediators or mast cell activation. Um, the more recent therapies, uh, the targeted tyrosine kinase inhibitors, as we mentioned them, have a direct cytotoxic effect on mast cells, and they directly reduce the mast cell burden. So um, this is a novel treatment strategy because rather than blocking mediators, it involves more cytotoxicity and actually reduces the mast cells, which is primarily the problem in many of these patients. As, as we've reviewed, the targeted tyrosine kinase inhibitors still are in their infancy. Many of these medications are currently in clinical trials. Um, there are some approved for the more advanced variants, uh, but for indolent systemic, most of them are currently in clinical trials. Let's talk a little bit about uh, patients who would be ideal for starting these medications. I would uh, trans, uh, punt it back to Dr. Castells to mention some of the patients who she would consider uh, for a targeted tyrosine kinase inhibitor. Thank you so much, Matt. Yes, I do think that we are entering a new era for the treatment of patients with uh, systemic mastocytosis and particularly the indolent systemic mastocytosis. Those patients have been presenting to us with multi-organ symptoms, as I was mentioning. They have flushing, they have itching. The uh, skin symptoms are very prominent. We have antihistamines, we have logotrine uh, blockers. And in some patients, those medications are sufficient to, to actually appease those symptoms. We do have also uh, pretty severe gastrointestinal symptoms. So there is a wide arc 
array of symptoms that go from gastroesophageal reflux to uh, severe diarrhea. And we have also neuropsychiatric symptoms uh, that uh, short memory span, inability to concentrate, headaches, uh, and, and multi-other symptoms. And most importantly, we have patients who present anaphylaxis. And, and that is a very, very important symptoms of mastocytosis. So what is mastocytosis is actually really uh, a kind of wide range of presentations. It is not just one disease. We have some patients who present hymenoptera anaphylaxis, and they only have symptoms at the time of hymenoptera stings. And we have patients who present with daily symptoms of uh, mast cell disorders based on their mediators. So again, we don't have enough understanding about uh, all the presentations and the biomarkers of the disease. And we have patients who we have treated for 30 years with few medications they have done well. And in the other hand, we have patients who we have treated with the most uh, upgraded medications and including omalizumab, anti-IG, and they continue to have symptoms. So when do we qualify patients for the next level? Are the patients that are not controlled? Are patients who have poor quality of life? Are patients who have daily symptoms? Are patients who actually have impaired activities, whether professional, familial, social activities that are actually impaired. They cannot get out of their houses. They don't know when they will have diarrhea next. Uh, patients who constantly itch that wake up in the middle of the night. So again, the involent systemic mastocytosis, even if it's one just category of mastocytosis, it has an array of presentations. And the patients for whom despite the best treatment, best options, best medications are not under control, are the ones that we consider to be the next level for targeted therapies. I also want to add the caveat that there are patients who have cutaneous mastocytosis, whether adolescents, children, or adults, in which we really don't have any actually targeted therapy. And although we have made our tremendous effort to target the therapies for mastocytosis in the line, looking at that kit, which you know in 95% of the patients is mutated and D816V, uh, in those patients with cutaneous mastocytosis, some of them will have that mutation. Some of them, we don't know what mutation that would have, but we are not at the present time targeting those patients. So I would like uh, to ask Dr. Gianetti, you know, what uh, are the uh, kind of the approach that you will do with those patients who actually are not under control uh, with uh, the best care and best medications? Yeah, uh, fantastic explanation. So I agree completely. This this particular patient uh, group has a wide a variety of presentations, and the ones who are really not doing well despite best available therapy are really the patients that I like to try and target and put on tyrosine kinase inhibitors. Um, so yeah, my my approach to these patients, well, generally starting with the substrate of somebody who's been maximized on all available medications, and despite this, is not doing quite well. This is somebody who I would consider for a targeted tyrosine kinase inhibitor. I think at present, it's a little bit challenging because we do not actually have any of these medications that are FDA approved for routine use. So, so you know, the current advice would probably be referring some of these patients to a center of expertise, whereas they have the availability for clinical trials. 
um, for, for our patients uh, here, we're an active site enrolling many patients. So I have quite a low threshold to put um, these patients on targeted tyrosine kinase inhibitor therapy, primarily because the drugs are, are reasonably well tolerated and they very significantly improve quality of life, assuming that the correct patient um, is chosen. I wanted to also talk a bit more about monitoring some of these patients and looking out for side effects. Uh, because some of these medications, uh, not some, I mean, by definition, they're cytotoxic, they carry a much higher side effect profile than things such as over-the-counter antihistamines or other more benign medications. Um, a couple of important things to remember. So first and foremost, the side effect profile is directly related to the concentration or the dosage of the drug. This is important because in different forms of mastocytosis, different types of drugs have been studied. So for example, with a single molecule, avapritinib, the higher dose has been used for those with advanced variants of mastocytosis versus those with indolence systemic mastocytosis have used a much lower dose. Um, at the lower dose, we do generally see a better side effect profile. Things that I have seen commonly and things that I would clinically monitor for um, one, cognitive changes. We have seen a good amount of, um, you know, forgetfulness, other cognitive abnormalities on these patients. We also see a good bit of swelling. So edema, it can be uh, facial edema, it can be extremity edema, or it can be lower extremity edema. Um, and then there's, there's um, hematologic abnormalities as well. So anemias uh, and other cytopenias are very important to monitor for. With that, I would like to pass it back over to Dr. Castell. She can talk a little bit about additional side effects and then uh, more of the long-term uh, implications of the medications. Yeah, no, those are perfect uh, uh, side effects, uh, Dr. Gianetti. What I wanted to actually uh, uh, make a, a point is uh, how do we enroll patients for clinical trials? Because I think that, that the key is here, how we actually inform patients about those clinical trials. And I, I think you made a really important point about sending your patients to centers of excellence, like the Brigham, like Michigan, by Stanford, by, by all those centers where uh, clinical trials are being uh, done at the present time. So clinical trials are really uh, kind of a novelty uh, for the treatment of uh, systemic mastocytosis. And I think the critical point here is the inflammation. When a patient comes to us and asks us, doctor, I've been having those symptoms, you've been treating me with the best medication, and I continue not to be able to do things that I would like to do, that is when we need to actually inform the patients that clinical trials are available to them. The same way that we have clinical trials for cancer, the same way that we have clinical trials for chronic inflammatory disease, there is now clinical trials for rare disease such as mastocytosis. And so uh, our job is to inform not only you know, our colleagues in our immunology, but all the other specialties, and also tell the patients that through mass, the Mastocytosis Society, they can actually tag along and ask their provider, is it a way in which I can actually participate in a clinical trial? And we have been blessed here uh, at the uh, Brigham Women's Mastocytosis Center. We are a multidisciplinary uh, um, center uh, with dermatology, gastroenterology, hematology, uh, neurology, and all the other specialties because mastocytosis uh, is a disease that affects all organ systems, and we actually need to have a multidisciplinary approach to the disease. So I would say that the modern area of treatment, uh, mastocytosis, is a targeted approach, a molecular approach, and looking at those molecular targets is what we need to do uh, in the near future. 
I am delighted that the next generation of allergies, immunology, such as Dr. Gianetti, uh, are embracing, you know, the treatment of mastocytosis and are wanting to treat those patients with uh, the newest uh, therapies. Great. I think that sounds fantastic. Uh, Very nice spending this time with you, Dr. Castells, and chatting about mastocytosis and novel therapies. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.